0: Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Aylers, the wake up call coach.
1: Hello, and happy Mama Truth Monday. It's Amy Aylers here, the wake up call coach, and welcome to another Mama Truth Show. Oh my goodness, I have a treat for you today, mamas, because unlike most of my shows where I have moms and women, we got a boy here, we got a man here, I really should say, a man who really specializes in working with boys. And I am so excited for today's episode of the Mama Truth Show, where we're gonna go deep about the truth about raising boys and what we can really do to raise boys to become the kind of men that we want in our world right now. So I have an incredible guest. His name is Ashanti Branch, and he is the founder and executive director of the Ever Forward Club, which you can check out at everforwardclub.org. Ever Forward Club is a support group for African-American and Latino males that really Ashanti started, which I'm going to have him tell his story, because he saw so many boys that were not reaching their level of potential. And since then, the Ever Forward Club has expanded to grow and serve both young men and women as, and has become a nonprofit organization. The Ever Forward Club, check this out ladies and mamas, has helped 100% of its members graduate high school and 93% of them have gone on to attend college. Unbelievable. <laughs> With over 19 years mentoring youth and 10 of those years as a math teacher educating inner city youth, Ashanti was awarded a Fulbright exchange scholarship to India, a Rotary Club cultural ambassadorial fellowship to Mexico, and a 2010 teacher of the year award from the Alameda Contra Costa County math educators. Mr. Branch is on a mission to change the way that students interact with their education and the way schools interact with their students. And he's coming to us live today from Oakland, California, where I live, woohoo, go Oakland. And he's actually right there in the in the thick of it in in middle school. So thank you so much, Ashanti, for being with us here today on the Mama Truth Show. I'm so grateful for you.
2: No, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. I appreciate the, the invitation.
1: Yeah, well, I saw Ashanti speak, everyone, at Wisdom 2.0. I was there doing, leading a tribe breakout about parenting and mindfulness. And Ashanti was on the main stage with some of the current students and graduates of the Ever Forward Club. And I was just, I was literally in the audience, crying the ugly cry, like all of these tears. I was like, oh my gosh, the work that you're doing and just hearing from your young men and what their experiences have been and what the expectations that are put on them. It really was, um, you know, cracked my heart wide open really is what it did. And so I would love, I think a good place for us to start is you just telling a bit about your story and how you ended up starting the Ever Forward Club.
2: Yeah, man. That so that I'm gonna try and collapse that story pretty quick, uh, or in yeah. a pretty tight package. Yeah. So um, so I grew up in Oakland. I was raised by a single mother um, on welfare. Um, my father died before I was born. So um, I, I tell people when I started my journey, my life was already kind of a mess. Yeah. You know, like it was, it wasn't what I chose. What I was, you know, I didn't have a choice in the matter of how it was gonna look. But when I popped out of the womb, there was like some chaos going on. Yeah that when I when I look back and talk to my mom about the story like it was never her w- desire to be on welfare like there was before three months before I was born my father was there she was there they were loving each other and all of a sudden tragedy happened and so what do you do when you have a new situation that wow. changes your whole outcome and your whole vision and so I grew up just um in Oakland in a city where being smart wasn't really cool right. where trying to show how intelligent you were, actually made people talk more about you. So sometimes you were, by the pressure on the outside, forced to just act like you weren't really smart because if you were trying right. to be too smart, there would be names they would call you. And, and it, it was really strange, but I I followed along a lot of my life trying to figure out how to fit in. Right. So middle school was a mess. Middle school, I was in the trouble often. You know. I, Elementary, you can kind of fake it enough, right? Because you're only with like 25 kids all day long, right? right. But when you get to middle school, you got like 130, 40 kids, that you got to try and keep impressing. And so every class you go to is another group of kids that somehow you got to keep this mask on. And I, I got really good at that. And being smart was not my mask I was ever wearing. Now, and uh, I think some teachers saw enough in me to really try and grab me. And I was like resisting to show how smart I was. Really? Math, math, I loved math, so math was easy for me. So I always did good in math, but everything else I was like just barely sliding by because I knew that it wasn't worth my energy to, to show how good I could do. Um, but not until one teacher caught me, caught me a hold of me. It's an English teacher. I hated English, but I loved that teacher. Her name is Miss B.P. <laughs> at Calvin Simmons in middle school, and um, she gave me detention one day, and I was like, oh, how dare her? It wasn't even my fault, right? So I had a plan that I'm gonna go to detention, but I'm gonna ignore her for the whole time. So I knew she was gonna talk at me for like whatever long. So I was like, whatever, I'm just never talking to her again, right? So I go in the room, she's talking, she's blabbing for probably half an hour, and I only heard one sentence in the whole, or at least I only remember one sentence in the whole speech. And she said, um, life doesn't give you what you want, Life gives you what you get, and you mm. have to make the most out of it. Mm. And I heard it, and I heard that sentence, and it changed my life. And wow. I don't know if it was the next day or the next week, but I knew that right after that, teachers were confused. They were like, Hey, um, is everything okay? like you're <laughs> you're, you're paying attention and you're doing work and you're you, you know you're focused. like I'm like, I don't know whatever I didn't I didn't pay any attention to what they were saying, but deep down, I was like, it was never that I couldn't do the work right. I didn't care about the work. I was angry. I had a lot of sadness inside, but in my community, sadness you can't show. You can't show sadness. Right, so where right. do you show, uh-oh, there's one of the bells. <laughs> that's, a bell. <laughs> that's a middle school bell, by the way. It was uh, a good
1: point, that's why. The bells were like, yes, it's a good point.
2: <laughs>
1: you can't uh, show sadness, uh,
0: beep. Yeah,
2: you can't. <laughs> because that's definitely not for our hyper-masculine narrative what it means to be a man. Yeah, and so exactly. you're in like, like Oakland where the pressures are like, you better man up. You better suck it up. You better not show you're afraid. You better not show you're um, sad. Cause there's emotions that men are not taught to show. And so when we don't show them, we we can we mask them. And I can show anger really good. Anger was right. respected in my community. I could show anger, and people would back away from you. They would not mess with you. It, it would it would put teachers on edge, right? You showing up anger, people they 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 respect you even the fear, right? But it feels like okay. I, I won, right? Right. And so I, I learned those tools, but that the teacher when she changed my life, um, my act got together. So I went to high school focus on my way to college. Um, I'm gonna try and make the story faster. But <laughs> so I get in high school. I heard about this program called Upward Bound, where you can uh, um, go to college. They help you get to college. I'm awesome. like, man, I, I want to go to college. Let's do it. Filed the application the first night. I get it. Turn it in. The lady says, "Hey, come on, me interview me. Bring you into my office or whatever." And she was like, "Well, I'm sorry, you can't join this program." because this is for first-generation college
1: Uh-oh, we're stopping. Hold on, mama, stay with us. Oh, man.
2: Okay, we're oh, so good, yeah? Okay,
1: we're here, we're back, okay. we're back, we're back. No okay, problem. so we got to your application, which yeah. you then didn't, that got rejected because it was for who?
2: Oh, the program was for first-generation college students.
0: Oh. And I was,
2: I said, I am first generation. I'm, we're poor. She was like, well, no, but your mom's a teacher. I'm like, well, we, but we're still poor. And um, my mama, so what? She, she's a teacher. I'm like, well, if she's a teacher, she had to have gone to college. I'm like, but you mean my mom went to college and we are this poor? <laughs> I, oh my God. I, need to have, I need to have a talk with my mom about her career choices. That's what, <laughs> that's what I was clear was going to happen. So So... That day, it changed my life in another way. I was like, two things happened that day. One, I needed to have a talk with my mom about her career choices. One, <laughs> I became the counselor that day. And no. two, I made a manifesto. I didn't even know what a manifesto was back then, but yeah. I made a declaration. Yeah. I would never be a teacher. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> here you are. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be careful what you say you won't yeah. ever do. Right? And I... I basically, that day, I I made a decision. So, went off to college, graduated in civil engineering, majored in engineering, come back to the Bay Area, making a lot of money, like a poor boy from Oakland, coming back, making a lot of money, engineer. It was beautiful. That's a dream, American dream, right? Go to college, get a good job, make a lot of money, live happily ever after, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. Like I wasn't happy. Like what? And I was thinking something's wrong with me. Like what's wrong with me to be like working in this great job and making good money and not be happy? Like that's what, that's what I worked so hard for. Right. I didn't didn't sacrifice all that fun and parties to to be not happy. And I realized, you know, I mean, you can I can invest in some happiness on the weekends. I can go to Vegas here and there. Right.
0: Right.
2: But that's not that's not deeply rooted happiness. That's just you know.
0: Yeah. And
2: I realized that. Something was missing. And so I just kept working, kept working. And I started tutoring at this one learning center and didn't know. Just somebody asked me, hey, we got this opportunity. Do you want to help tutor some kids? I said, sure. I'm not doing nothing on weekends anyway, just playing video games and watching TV and living. (laughs) Yeah. And and then it happened. It happened. Uh oh, there's another bell. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to the middle school. (laughs) All right. What just happened? I hope it's a flashback to your middle school life. You're I like, know,
1: right? I don't know. Damn. Middle school bells sound different nowadays. <laughs> They're all electronic.
2: They're all electronic. Yeah. No ringing. Yeah. Yeah. But it still hurts just as bad. It's just as grinding in your yes, ear. Yes, I
0: know, right? Oh my goodness.
2: And so, um, and so now I'm like, um, I'm tuning this learning center. I'm realizing something is really interesting. So I remember this one kid walked in and. I remember him changing my life. His name is Lucas. Lucas couldn't multiply polynomials. And I'm like, dude, I do that for breakfast. <laughs> Multiplying polynomials. Come on. Now, now, I'm at this learning center. He doesn't know me from anybody else, but I know that he didn't really think that I was going to be his tutor. Yeah. When I, I gave him this shortcut, and he was like, well, let me let me try it myself. He tried it himself, and then he looked at the back of the book. You know, all the answers in the back of the book. Like yeah. There's yeah. even answers. So he looks at the back of the book, and I just saw this light, like, come out of this book wow. on his face, and I I felt it. I was like, wow. oh, no, we can't be feeling like that. Yeah. That, so, because that means I like this, <laughs> right? Like, which means this is like teaching, and this means that this is bad news because teachers don't make money. And right. I had already told myself I would never be a teacher. So that day after Lucas left, I said, give him a high five. Good job. Go get him. I go to the front desk, and I say, I quit. Really? Yeah, because I was scared. I was yeah, scared. Yeah, sure. I the thing I said I would never do is a thing that makes me feel like I, I'm alive. Yeah. That's a problem. Right? Well, I thought it was a problem. It wasn't well, a problem. Well, yeah, like,
1: right. It's like callings. Right? We don't get to choose our callings. Like, we yeah. can keep hanging up the phone, but it's going to keep ringing, baby. Like,
2: <laughs> it kept ringing, all right. It kept ringing, and so that's a that's a. I just tell you that that was the story that got me here. So when back to school became a teacher, I mean, I, there's a those other. I fought it. I fought it off for another year. Yeah. Here, um, you know, for another year, I fought that thing off, and it just it grabbed me. And um, back to school became a teacher. Um, and then um, that first year teaching, I was failing. Like, really. Oh man, like these young men that were in my class were smart. I could see it. And they, they didn't believe and believe they were smart. They were like, man, I ain't smart. What are you talking about? Man, they, I ain't doing this work, man. And they were there every day on time and did nothing. I'm like, help me understand this. Like, how, You show up every day. You do nothing. Like, well, You're not even trying. It wasn't that they couldn't do the work because they were having a hard time accepting the content. They were not even giving a, a visible outward appearance. They were making any effort. Yeah. And that's when I knew something was wrong. So I was like, look, I'm going to go back and make money. Cause I'm I signed up to be broke. Right. I'm not gonna be broke and a failure. Right. You know so that's what happened. That's how I turned it all around. And so I've invited some young men to lunch. I said, look, I'll buy you lunch once a week. Exchange for lunch, you teach me how to be a better teacher. Like tell me what I'm doing wrong.
0: Wow.
2: I'll fix it. If it's fixable. And that's how it all happened. The club started from me just meeting with some young men at lunchtime, and they began to say, "Man, it ain't cool to be smart. I'm not gonna be no nerd, no geek, no teacher's pet." Wow. And then I remembered, that was my narrative. Oh yeah, that's right. Because I've been, I've been an intellectual up until that point, right? I went to high school, worked hard. Went to college, worked hard. Right. Got a great job, and then I'm like back with these young people, and I'm like, "Why you're smart? Why are you not showing it?" Yeah. I forgot that there was a point in my life. Where being smart was not okay. Right. Then I'm like, okay. So now we got to figure out how to uh, help you re-brainwash you. Yeah. And so I tried that speech that teacher gave me. And yeah. <laughs> and right it, I tried it here. I tried. I to I've tried it maybe a thousand times. A couple people get it, and it, but I had to make up my new ones. Right. I have to make up my own sayings and phrases and things that help to. You never know which one sparks the light, right? So you just keep trying. And that's how it happened. That's how I came to this work.
1: What do you feel like, like looking back on that speech that your middle school teacher gave you and then now these different angles where you're trying to like snap people out of it. Like what's the trance that you're trying to snap them out of?
2: Yeah. You know, I think um, for everyone, I'm going to say everyone, but when we talk about young men, like there's a narrative about how they're supposed to show up in the world. Yeah. And so the trans I'm trying to break them from is this idea that the narrative is set by others because they have been set by it's been set by others for them. Right. Right. Your parents may have told you don't be don't show you're afraid, don't be sad. They may have showed, told you these things that you do now by automatic, but it's it probably because somebody told them that. Right. So, it, it, but ultimately, if you just feel yourself as a human and say, what are the, all the type of emotions that you can actually feel? Like that you can like. Forget what other people think. If you could just name the ones you actually feel in a day, like, are those real? Like, you can't say they're fake, they're human, right? But we we tell people that they're not manly, so our young men fight those real human feelings because right. they, they're trying to fit into this box of what, it, what society says makes them a man. Now, that's not just for our young men. We do workshops with everyone, with parents, teachers. Um, like, all, all people have this idea that I know what I can show the world, and I'm really clear about the things I cannot show if I want to be accepted. And so we have this mask. And so it's like trying to help people recognize, okay, here's the mask I show the world. I want people to see that I'm funny, I'm happy, I'm hardworking. Right. But there's a lot of things I don't really even talk about. I don't even let people see because I'm a, because most people can't handle it. Not that I should tell everybody all my stuff, but some people have nobody they can go to and really get real about.
1: It. Yeah.
2: I mean, young people all the time and, and adults and parents who are trying to – portray to their students that they're perfect, and so the students are trying to live up to this perfect model of an adult who never makes mistakes.
0: Right.
2: And so every mistake they make is is amplified because right. that that person has never made a mistake. And so I and so the young person is trying to live up to that with their teachers, with their parents, with people in the community. And so we have this idea that young people are trying to figure out. Well, I don't I don't feel perfect. I feel right. like right. I'm like I'm not doing. Good. I don't feel successful. I don't feel confident. So how do I talk to somebody who also knows what I feel? You got to find somebody who's willing to say, you know what, I don't feel confident all the time either. (laughs) And if you don't have a person that you can go to and be like, can we get real? Can we have real talk, like real, real talk? And find safe people, a safe place, a safe space that you can do that, then you always think that you're the only one who's dealing with that stuff. And that's what we try to build in our program.
1: I love it. And it's, it's so amazing because this is the exact same thing in my work that I'm doing with women and with high-achieving women and high-achieving moms and like providing that place where we can drop the mask and talk about that motherhood's hard instead of all the pictures that we're posting on Facebook of our perfect families. You know, it's like, it's the same conversation, just a different context over and over and over again. And what I find so moving is to see young men that are embracing having that safe place to drop the mask yeah. and having that place where they can really tell how they feel. And I know, you know, I mentioned to you that I had, um, so actually, you know what we tell everyone, all the mamas here about the movie um, that your program is featured in a little bit. Cause I, I put that trailer up inside my, the Mama Truth Circle community and they were like, oh my gosh, everyone was crying, just watching the trailer like I was. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute, will you?
2: oh man so um that was a huge uh, blessing for our program so yeah. um you know i've been doing the work since 2004 ever forward club started in 2004 while i'm a teacher i'm a full-time teacher um my journey of teaching travels from me being in this public school in san lorenzo to me going to a private school in marin to me going to india coming back to a charter school in oakland and then i'm i find myself at my alma mater my old high school the high school i went to as a dean and i'm like It was a mess. The school was not doing well at all, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I saw these group of young men who during advisory time, when they should be with their advisor, are like walking around campus. And I'm like, "You can't be walking around doing advice. How does anybody fail advisory? Isn't that like how do you fail a class where your only job is to there and possibly get advice from someone? That doesn't make any sense." And what I realized was that there was no connection. They had no connection to the teachers, and therefore the teachers who were trying to be their advisors. There's no way you're going to give somebody advice who they don't believe in you. Or you don't believe in them, and there's not a mutual relationship.
0: Right. And so
2: I told the principal, "Look, I'm a, I'm gonna take a group and make a group of of young men that I'll just be there. I'll be their advisor. I'll I'll take that role." And we started meeting. And what happened was, during the same time, I had a, a, the film crew of the Representation Project. Um, one of the, the producers heard about our work. Um, she met me at a rites of passage for young men. I had taken like 18 young men from this high school, Fremont High School, to this rites of passage in the, in the woods. And, um, wow. So we finished,
0: I Wow got chills. I love that. Oh my gosh. Oh
2: man. You know rites of passage. This is the idea that our young people need to know that there is, just because you get a mustache, which are growing some body adornments or hair, <laughs> then you now become adults, right? There's, in the old days, there was a process That's or something right. you had to accomplish. and so. This is a modern day right Sapatch. So it's more just you know competitions and teamwork and building. But we came out of the mountains and the producer happened to be there and she was like, Hey, I wanna you know possibly interview you. I'm like, Yeah, we, well, you know, I would love to. Because I'm just working hard to do the work. I don't know what I'm doing really. I'm not really trying to be an executive director. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what a nonprofit really means. Right. I just know that this work has called me to it, and I'm constantly pushing to try and figure out the next step I gotta learn. And so they came, well, they said, Well, we want to come film you and your circle at this at the high school. I'm like, well, sure. I said, but just so you know, these young men are brand new to our work. They don't really open up. They they kind of resist the opportunity. And actually they lie. Well, like when you ask them how they're doing, they right. all say they're 10. They all right. say they're perfect. And if everyone's a 10, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Like why, why are you you should be everything should be great, right? But
0: wow. they weren't
2: really 10, but that's the message they had to tell each other. And I said, and the film crew said, "Well, well, at least we'll see their resistance to getting some support." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but I'm not. You're not about to be just filming me with a bunch of people lying to each other." I was <laughs> like, "What's going on?"
1: is not the gathering of the liars, Jesus. "Yeah, I'm
2: not doing that." You know, yeah. but as a dean, I knew what was going on in their lives, but my I couldn't tell. My job is as a dean. I'm, that's my relationship with you. There, when I'm a mentor, my job is to hold space. If that's I'm right. holding space for you, even if you may lie, I got to just. Try and maybe I may ask a few questions, try and probe a little bit, but if you're if your mask is so tightly attached, you know how to keep people out. And so I said, well, I gotta need I need an activity where I can help them to talk about it without talking about it. How can I make it somewhat silent, somewhat anonymous, somewhat like disconnected from the fact that I'm gonna tell you I'm going through something? And that's how the activity of the mask came up. And I and that workshop now is called taking off the mask, and so it's a it was an opportunity for people, to so those young men, to say, okay, I'm gonna just draw this and write this, and when they got passed around, when they, they were throwing them at each other, right? You saw them open up one; they didn't know whose it was, but they recognized that most of them that they were reading the same words that was on theirs. Wow! And that's why in that moment, when you what you see happening in that room, I didn't know. I was like, oh my! I didn't know what was going on. Wow! It was. When those young men began to drop into their bodies and begin to feel, oh. they had never, they had never done that ever. Wow. And so I was like, I was just rolling off of just my heart. Like, so oh. I didn't know. I was just, <laughs> when I when I finally watched the documentary at Sundance. I was like, oh my goodness. When I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh wow, that was that was powerful. Yeah. Because I didn't yeah. even recognize. Even after we left that day, like you know, everyone's, you know gave it hugs and we left out the meeting i didn't i didn't see anything from it for another year right but when i right. finally trailer i was like wow that was powerful <laughs> like you know from the outside right i mean i, right. I was in it and it was powerful so that's been a journey when that documentary released it's really just um hope helped to connect a lot of people to our work it's helped us get us out there more and you know we're, we're launching we're, we're trying to push as much as we can to the to the community and to the world as possible to help people know about their mask. And to not, I'm never telling people that your mask is bad. I'm right. saying, great, I got mine too, but I know that every Tuesday night I go to my men's team and I get to take my mask off, right? right. Some people don't have a safe place to go to take their mask off, so they're constantly just exchanging masks for masks. And so,
0: right.
2: you ever get a chance to talk about the real stuff Yeah. and know that they're not going to try and, shame you or fix you, but they can hold space for you and say, you know, what do you need? How can I support you? Right? That's powerful.
1: So powerful. And I just, what a blessing that that film crew was there and caught it for you, for the world, for the young men. I mean, wow. That's divine grace right there. (laughs) That's incredible. Wow.
2: And just you know all the other narratives in that documentary when I just when I got to see like Jackson and with his son, right? when they, when they were talking about Jackson and his dad were talking, and he's like, "My dad never told me he loved me. I hear young men all the time. Wow, Dad working their dads are providing provide a roof over their head. and they got all the toys they need, but no love, right? right? So much. and then in the documentary they talk about this idea of a father wound, right? Now young men, and so if if you don't, have a father, then you're, I was always searching, like, who am I looking to, you know? Who am I looking to to help me learn about this man thing, you know? My uncle at seven years old said, you're the man of the house. I'm like, I just want to play my big wheel, dude. Right, like you're exactly. asking, you're, you're asking for a lot right here. I don't even know, I, I'm barely figuring this out myself, right? right. And, right. um, but having expectations on you that you don't even know how to deal with. Um, my grandfather, I love, my grandfather was around. He was like a pastor at our church. And I could, I, man. I could always talk to him about what the right thing to do was. Like, tell him something. And he would tell me the right thing to do. Sometimes I was like, "But no, but no, no, no. <laughs> I need you to hear what I'm saying." Like, he the the guy hit me in the face, right? Wow. And he's like, "Well, you just got to forgive him." And I and I totally I believe that, right? But like, as a as an eleven year old, you want to have somebody say, you know. I thought I wanted something else. I don't know. Right. I, I, am, I am who I am today because of all these lessons that people have taught me. But like as a young man, I was like, I mean, that's the only way I should think? Right. I get hit in the face and I just like take it? Like. Right. Come on. there got to be another way to think. You know. Yeah. And so how do you navigate those human emotions that come up? And you do them in a healthy way. I don't want to be a fighter. I, I never liked to fight. But I felt like the people in my school always saying, you better fight. And my family was like, no, you better just ignore it. And those don't those don't match up when you go to the playground, right? Those right. are two polar opposites. There gotta be something in the middle for me to navigate <laughs> how I'm feeling, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there are other possibilities here. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I I I know I had mentioned to you, Ashanti, that I had put out to the Mama Truth Circle members and I have some questions from some of them. So
0: awesome. I want to ask a
1: couple of questions um, here. Um, one of the moms said, um, She has um, two young boys, and her husband and these boy's father is just like them in the video. Her husband never cries or shows his emotions, and he expects her boys to do the same. She, on the other hand, is trying to raise them to be okay with their emotions and to be empathetic, and her five-year-old in particular is a very sensitive child. So her question is, how do we teach these practices to our husbands and to the fathers of our kids so that he can open his eyes to the fact that telling these boys to be men... When they show emotion, is just teaching them to mask their feelings.
2: Oh man, that's huge. One of the things I would say, and when I talk to parents who have come to the screening, I say, ideally, you should get this documentary in front of your husband. Yeah. Like, you know, I think men all need to see this documentary. I think everyone needs to see this documentary because a lot of things that are happening in our world are happening because um, people are not aware, and people are, are, are they're saying the cause of certain of these behaviors are rooted in different things. And I think that young men, when they were boys, were told certain messages that then stay with you as you become older, and they become deeply more rooted. And if you don't have somebody to like help you, like put some of the things out in front of you, you know, some men are very technical or very analytical, and you say, "Well, look, take a look at this documentary. Take a look at it and see what you think about it." Because you know, everyone who sees it doesn't say, "I agree," but right. but most people see it, recognize, "Oh yeah, I remember being having to fit into this model," right? And I think that one of the men in the documentary talks about, like, his father was the old alpha type, like, don't even show any emotion, don't feel old, you know, like, and not even recognizing that for someone else, that like, who's not you. Because we think, I think most parents think their children are their, their little clones. And so right. you should be like me. right? And so if I'm like, not giving my child space to be their own individual human self, then I'm saying that everything I am is perfect and everything how I am is exactly how they should be. And that that's that's very short sighted. That's very yeah. short-sighted yeah. because everything's not for everyone, you know, and I think, you know, the more you can get them to either see the trailer, I, I tell parents, I said, look, maybe you got to have a family night, and you watch a movie together, and you watch this as your movie, right? Like, I don't know, like, what are the ways in that dynamic, but if fathers, when they see it, they can ignore it, they can say, oh, that is not real. Right. But if they really get honest, if they really get honest with the fact of how not only they were raised, how society had groomed them they may be okay with it. They may be okay that they're the tough man, but right. if they know they really dig down, like you have nobody that you can be real with. Like you have nobody that you can like get <sighs> human with. Like, you mean really? Like And you're okay with that. And Hey, if you're okay with that, great. You won't be in my circle necessarily. Cause I can't be around somebody who is, who I can feel is like, like fake. Right. You don't, right. are you, you, you never feel anything. Like you never experience a, a, a setback or a, and, and that's okay. I think it, I don't try to make people do anything different than they want right. to do. I say, you know, I, I love, I love being around people that have made decisions that, you know what? I, I'm ready to grow. I want to be a full. And my men seem, we call it a 360 degree man, right? How do you have three, how do you, well, no, three dimensional, we call it three dimensional man, right? Yeah. I think the idea of how do you have more dimensions to yourself than just, than just a rough and tough, how do you not have a, a caring caring side that's about justice and you know, humanness and how you have a side that's about being funny and silly, right? And and I think those are helpful, but you know, I know that it's not for everybody.
1: Right.
2: I think with that, for that mom, I say, you know, the more you can do to hopefully get the documentary in, in their hands and you know, your boy is five, he's five. <laughs> he's supposed to be feeling, he's supposed to know that those are human feelings and I think that th- those are going to be... Family dynamic conversations that are going to yeah. be rich, and they may need the support of somebody who is an outsider, right? You know, and some families think, Well, we're not going to counseling, nothing wrong with us. Well, it's not about being anything wrong, right? Sometimes it's just we need another voice to say, Hey, aren't there more ways of being than just being like this? And, and, and I know that's not easy. I know that that's not easy for most people, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, okay, I want to do one more. I know we're running out of time here, but let me just see here. Um,
2: I'll make the next answer a little shorter. I get excited, so <laughs> I, I make long answers. I'll,
1: no, I'll keep- no, you're great. Um, yeah, so um, one of the moms says, how can we teach our boys to be strong and stand up for themselves and others? and feel their feelings without becoming like woo-woo or, you know, a lot of people will say pussies or mama's boy or whatever those terminology is. Any, um, you know, any advice for that of how we can really start raising our boys to be in touch with their feelings without them getting picked up on, picked on or not then standing up for themselves, being so emotional that they can't handle the environment and the context of being around other boys that aren't in touch with their emotions.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh man, those, those those are those are those are that's a deep question. Thank you. I for know, that. right? <laughs> but we need to post that question. I'm gonna post that question on my social media. Because I think that the hardest part is that when other young men who are raised in certain families are told, here's what it looks like to be a man.
0: Yeah. And
2: a man means I'm to dominate and I'm to uh, overpower you. And you don't do that when I'm trying to overpower you. You're not like fighting back with me or you're not competing against me. Like cause I couldn't I can when we watch like kids on the playground, there's always the ones who are like, the ones who are like holding the sticks and they're like, right. hey, I'm going to be in charge, right? And the others are like, Dude, back away, right? I don't want right. to do that. And so everybody has their different ways of being. And I think helping our young men say, well, who are the friends you can be around where you can play like you like to play? Like, what does it look like? Yeah. And so sometimes those other boys are, they're testing, they're pushing up against other young men to see where they fit in the hierarchy. Like, There's always this like Laura the Flies kind of thing going on, right? <laughs> right. It's like, hey, am I in charge? Who, who's the toughest here, right? Who, cause that's what it's about, right? When you're little, movies, TV, video games, they're like, who's the toughest, right? Who's, so it's like this idea. And if you're a young man who doesn't care about that, when the other young men who are, like, trying to figure out who they're, who's the toughest, and they realize that you're not going to compete for the toughest, then they're like, okay, well, I get to push you around, or I get to dominate over you. And I think I don't have a good answer for the parents. I say what I, what I know, what my my younger brother... There's certain rules right? You can't let somebody get, keep put um, picking on you because otherwise you become a victim and you become like a place where but also uh, do you teach somebody to fight Do you teach them to fight, you know right. and there's certain lessons they're gonna get without even teaching them right And so I mean I man, that's such a such a rich question. I don't even have a great answer for it. I, here's what here's one thing where my mind and my heart is going around that because I feel it. when I was in the fourth grade, I remember a fight I had in the fourth grade. My first day at a new elementary school, a kid was hitting me. We're playing tag, but he was like really hitting me. And I was like, I'm a brand new kid at this school. I don't want to fight. I just want to play tag. Like Kids are playing tag. I want to play tag. Yeah. And I knew, but I knew deep down that if I had let it slide it anymore, was,
0: yeah.
2: it was going to make the next two, three years of elementary school miserable.
0: Yeah. And
2: so not that I wanted to fight, not that I wanted to get be violent. I had a, a choice to make in my head of, okay, this is one outcome and here's the other outcome. And so I I fought, I had a fight. I I began to be very violent that day. And you know what that made happen? It almost made all the other young men who thought they were somewhat alphas think I thought I was tough.
0: Mm.
2: Then everybody wanted to fight me. Oh no! Well, because apparently I'm the, I think I'm tough now. I'm like, I, I didn't even want to do that fight. I, would think, I was trying to make it so that people wouldn't take advantage of me. But then you get the other one, so like, oh, so he thinks he's tough. And so it's like there's really no winning, you know. I don't know wow. if there was a win in the other place. Um, So I think elementary, those four years, from fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I probably got suspended probably 25 times
0: Wow. for fighting.
2: For fighting. Oh
0: and, my and,
2: I, and I look back and I'm like, wow, I was fighting all the time, like all, all the time. Wow. And so I think for that parent, I would just say, you know, the best thing you can do is really have a healthy conversation with your son and say, look, so like, who are the people that you feel you can have, you can spend time with? Who are the people that you really rather not spend time with? And knowing that also it's a responsibility to know what her that her values are about protecting yourself. Yeah. Some parents feel you should never hit anybody, anybody ever. And they have the right to teach their children that way. But knowing that their children are not going to be around other kids who believe that never hit someone. And right. so it's, it, I, I wish I had a great answer. As yeah. a constant decision and constant question, I ask myself in helping our young men make decisions and say, "What what's the best way you can make the situation better for yourself right now?" And you got to make the best decision you can make in that moment. And then hopefully, if it if it turns out to not be the best decision, you hopefully you five ways of being able to correct it. You know,
0: yeah, that's a yeah. beautiful. Yeah,
1: well, and you know, it is it is such an interesting question, and I think that. You know, uh, you know, I have two girls and my oldest is in fourth grade right now. So it's like she doesn't deal with the physical violence, but the emotional violence, the emotional things that are going on with our girls, which we're going to talk about in our, in our next Mama Truth show with my guest is, you know, it's, it's, it's the same game. It just looks a little bit different. You know, it's the same. Who's the queen bee? Who's the top alpha dog? You know, it's the same like pecking order, hierarchy, BS. And like you're saying of knowing where those safe places are. And then as a mom being a safe place where your son or your daughter can share and you can really hold space for them, as you were saying, for them to like have the safe space where they can share all the things that they're feeling and how confusing it is. And not that we even necessarily have to have the answers, but just knowing that home with mom is a place where I can actually be safe and share what's going on for me.
2: That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And I just want to thank all the moms. I want to thank you. You know, I I I'm a mama's boy. I tell people that. I love my mom, and I think she sacrificed so much for me to um to be who I am today. You know, like I you know I mean I we battled when I was in middle high school. We battled. We, we had our battles, right? But um I truly am thankful that she. And she put this container there that was um, kind of corralling me in when I wanted to be wild. And she did, you know, I, I didn't always like her. I didn't always <laughs> like her very much, yeah. you know. But um, looking back, and I'm thankful that she made sacrifices that I could, you know. We, we didn't have a lot, but she made it work. And so, yeah. you know, so to all the moms out there, you know, you may be dealing with them teenagers or <laughs> like them, them monster, te- monster preteens who, yeah. like, who are you? What is what happened to my child? You know? And you've gone from being the you've been gone from being the boss to now being the advisor, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So just know that, you know, they're on a journey. They're on a yeah. journey towards becoming more independent. And you ultimately want them to be more independent. You ultimately, you don't you don't want them to always be your little boy on your lap, you know? Well, we kind of always- do
1: want that, but you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. with us
2: forever. Maybe. You you may want some of that. (laughs) Yeah. But you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's gonna be hard to grow on your lap, you know, in the mall. So that may be tough, right? Yeah. But you know, some never grow out of it, right? So they're they're always like in the and so I think that how do we just thank you for the work you do. I just wanna say thank you. I just wanna say thank you (laughs) and just know that, you know, keep allowing them to have that open communication because if they can't communicate with you, then they're gonna You know, I see a lot of young men who go to other things to numb out. They can't talk about it. Home's not safe. They know you may escalate it to level ten when it's only a four for them. Like, and they begin to use substances and other things to try and fit to deal with it. And so, just thank you, thank you for all the hard work. Thank you, all the moms, mama. Thank you. I don't know if you're gonna watch this, but I love you.
1: So tell us, just as we start wrapping up here, tell us about this new campaign that you're doing right now, the 100,000, yes.
2: Oh, my gosh. So with the Taking Off the Mask workshop that we've been invited all over the world to do, uh, we've been doing a lot of workshops, definitely here in the California and Bay Area. Um, we were The workshops are an hour and a half, and we can come in and do them for people's teams and fan parent groups and whatever. But we said, well, look, how about how can we have a bigger impact and how can we collect information from people all over the world So we created this, uh, and this is a little postcard here. It says, the 100,000 masks hashtag. So we're doing a challenge. Our goal by Memorial Day weekend is to collect 100,000 masks. And the master is basically this. You draw a mask. You write three things that you let the world see about you, that you gladly let the world see about you. And on the back over here, you write three things that you normally don't talk much about, Maybe you, maybe you hide them. It's anonymous, so your name's not even on it. Yeah. And then you send it to us. Like, you either email it to us, you can text it to us, you can send us a DM on Instagram. Like, we're trying to just collect the data, and we want our young people to see, not only young people, but as we figure out how we're going to show the data, we want people to see that there are people all over who are dealing with stuff. Humans, who are trying to pretend like they're good, and they're happy and funny and knowing that deep down they're dealing with some stuff they don't have anybody to talk to about it. And if we can get more human and recognize that we're not the only ones, then hopefully we can find one person, maybe two people, maybe a team of people who can come together regularly and and get real so that we can not operate on this, I gotta trouble through, I gotta stretch through all of this stuff by myself. Yeah. And so that's our goal. Beautiful. And so it's called the hashtag 100K masks. You can find us on uh, everforwardclub.org. And um, we're excited. We're hoping to see more people. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So, Mamas, in the show notes, we're having links out to Ashanti's website, links out to the documentary, and, of course, links out to the 100K Masks campaign. I think it's an an awesome activity that you can actually do with your children, with your family. Have each person write that down. Send it off to Ashanti and to their campaign on social media or in the mail or email or whatever you want to just – help us realize how much we have in common Yeah. because we do, we have so much in common and we all just want to feel loved and, you know, belong and all of those human things that we're dealing with. So beautiful. I love everything that you're up to Ashanti. So final question, what's messy and what's magical about your life right now?
2: Oh man. So I'll start with the messy. Messy is Um, You know, I came into this work as a teacher trying to just help some kids um, and now I'm an executive director. And so the messy is like, how do you be an executive director? (laughs) How do you do that? that?" So I'm like, I'm I'm constantly realizing what I don't know and I'm trying to like find the tools and lessons to learn them, trying to, you know, all the roles that, you know, I didn't didn't come into this to hire people and create paperwork, payroll. I came into this to work with our young men. But I know that the vision is bigger, so I got to get bigger. Yeah. And so that's the messy part. And the magical part is um, constantly being able to just follow my heart and constantly getting up every day to say, um, this chose me. And I get to live every day, not miserable, but knowing that I'm doing, I'm going forward. And I don't know where I'm going. This this 100,000 mass Challenge is just launched out of this idea with some of our young people. And we were like, let's just do it. Like, why? why think about it for a year and plan it right. out? Like, let's just make a little postcard and see how it works. And, and I, get to, I get to do that with young people around the, the Bay Area, definitely around the world who are seeing our work. And so that's awesome. the messy and the magical. Thank you for asking. That's a beautiful way to <laughs> – oh, that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, so you. Cool. <laughs> Thank
1: you so much, Ashanti, for the work that you're doing in the world, for the way that you're stepping up to the plate, to your calling and answering it so fully. I am so excited to be in contact with you and just – thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here thank you yay so with that mamas keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood it's amy ayler signing off bye bye mamas
0: thanks for listening mamas did you know that amy has a new ebook out it's called sacred self-care for moms seven steps to nurturing yourself so you can be the mom you were born to be and you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood.